Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Uh, we have done a special episode like this before, where I don't tell my guests what we're doing, and then we make up a story without any prompting. Oh. So, my guest today is Ian... Hi. Who is my expert on artificial intelligence. Here we go. Right? <laughs> you didn't even know you were an expert on that, but you're going to be for this. And Justin, my longtime suffering co-host and co-author on many projects that you have seen and may see in the future. I want to make up a story about the machines running the world. But how are we going to do it in a way that hasn't been done before? So let's first eliminate the tropes. All right? They don't come to destroy us, at least not overtly, right? They are not inherently better than us, right? They just, they can be as complex, but they're not better just because they're more advanced. And what are some of the other tropes there? That humans deserve it. Those are off the table, okay. right? It's not our fault, right? We don't need to be destroyed in this particular context. And we're going to make up a story. We're going to story break an idea for the rise of artificial intelligence in a new way that we have so heard this before. isn't artificial intelligence coming to earth it's the invention of great question what do you think ian should it be arriving from far away or should it be already here on earth i uh, i always like the stories um where it's like an alien civilization discovers earth and they're so perplexed by it right it's like they're made of meat and they breathe <laughs> air like and how do they communicate so, so they make this like gurgling noise with their meat and the other ones understand it what do you mean how long do they last only okay. like a hundred years so you're for the intelligence being present here i mean either right and you like to, so i like we'll find a mix in here it makes me think of this carl sagan i love that pitch yeah they make yeah. this gurgling sound with the meat <laughs> that the other meat things understand there's this carl sagan thing i think it's from pale blue dot um where he's talking about if an alien was looking at the earth, right? At what resolution could you finally realize that there was intelligent life, right? Like at a kilometer wide per pixel, you couldn't tell, oh. right? How far you could get. And that at, a, at 10 or 20 meters diameter per pixel, you would start to realize that there are all these rectangular things that rule the earth with these little parasites that come in and out and there isn't enough room for all of them and some of them sleep in inside houses that seem to be built for them and most of them sleep on the streets and the causeways and that they seem to feed on these organisms that get into them and then when they're tired they release whatever the organ <laughs> right from an outside perspective cars look like they rule the planet right <laughs> so it's interesting what you say right so cars Right. What is, if we're going to write a story about artificial intelligence. I like the idea of complete misinterpretation of humanity and the earth as a whole. Okay, but if I connected to your idea that it started here, what if it was a probe or some uh, ship, right? Let's say that they made an exploration vessel that was going to move near to the speed of light, right? And on it, they couldn't put people on it because they weren't sure how to keep them alive. So they put in AI and it evolves on its journey and then comes back to Earth. 
That's so then, Star Trek. They did that's that That's V'ger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but in, in, uh, in the first Star Trek motion picture, aliens find Voyager on the edge of the solar system. They're like, oh, you're lost. We'll bring you home. Mm. Right? Because you're not smart enough to find your way home. We're like a robot species. Right. We'll bring you home and it causes horrible chaos. So some space between that. What I have to ask you, though, is from the human's perspective, are they, is the intelligent seen as benevolent or as malevolent? I would imagine that the general human reaction to things that they don't know is to be afraid of it and to label it as bad. Okay. So it doesn't matter how well-intended this artificial intelligence may be, if those interests or if the interests or perhaps the means to attain those interests are not aligned with human perception, we're always going to think it's bad. So if we go against trope, what's something we could introduce? I like, okay, yeah. here's an idea. Um, whatever this, whatever form this ends up taking right. that humanity kind of freaks out about, usually the movie ends with humanity like trying to blow it up, right? Like <laughs> nuke it, do whatever. I want that to happen like almost at the beginning and like they've tried throwing everything they have at it and it just like... just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And so then what Ooh. happens after when they've they've exhausted the like let's try to kill it option when that's all done then what the humanity's like the tide and it splashes against the rock and it's still there yeah. right now they have to deal with it yeah that's how you start so it's immediate stress so the story opens <laughs> after humans have done everything to prevent the singularity from taking over now what does it do if it can't be hurt by us what's its interest what would its interest be in people like when you're talking about like oh you're flapping your meat. That's weird. <laughs> right? What does that all mean? Yeah. Would they be so would it be so far beyond us the way we are perception of okay, so our perception, if you look at an anthill, is that we're beyond the ants, but we're only now realizing that people actually don't really understand how the ants communicate completely. Mm -hmm. We thought we did, but we don't. Not well, smell? Not smell. Well, they're not hundred percent sure. They did this weird test where some researchers literally color-coded every ant in a huge anthill. Oh, God. Took them like a year, but they put like a, a three-strip code so that every ant had a unique sequence so they could keep track of where it moved in the anthill. Some poor unpaid intern. Intern had to do that. <laughs> Literally capturing ants and painting them so they could keep track. And what they figured out was that if you take an ant from the top of the anthill, deep down in the anthill, with way less time than it would take for each ant to tell every other ant all the way down to the bottom of the anthill, the ants immediately replace the missing ant with a new worker. So as soon as you pull him out of the system, the system goes, well, we're missing one, yeah. and they, somebody switches jobs to fill in that gap. The interesting mm -hmm. thing, I think the most interesting thing about ants, termites, bees... People. Uh, no, 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 hold on. <laughs> any kind of hive mind organism is that we're looking at it in the wrong way. We look at the ant as an individual because that's the way that we think. Oh yeah. But you're not, that's not the reality of what an anthill is. An ant, like the ant colony is the organism. Yeah. Right. Each ant is just a piece in it. It would be like looking at a human being. Each cell is. Its and then like yeah. each neuron. Yeah. You know, a neuron communicate like communicates a piece of information from one end to the other to the next neuron and then so forth. Right. But we don't look at a human like that. We look at we look at the human as the individual. And so ants, bees, termites, 
you need to look at the actual hive as the individual. And all of those parts are just parts of it. Damn it, Bones. I need you. Badly. The trope is always yeah. like it is a single consciousness that right. you talk to one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe that shouldn't be the case at all. Like there is no way to communicate with it. It's just... Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a tech... Uh, revolution happening right now across the manufacturing industry called Internet of Things. Yeah, and, right. And effectively, that is a hive mind right. um, type idea. You know, each individual machine is capable of its own processing, but they all contribute to one larger purpose. Um, I, th I think that we need to sort of uh, establish the motivation of what this, this uh, artificial intelligence would be. If it's alien and it was sent here... What was the sent here for? Is it just is it just trying to observe? Is it um, is it intended to represent some far away? Good, pick one. Well, be, well, because this is what happens. Like after the wave crashes into the rock and the rock is still there. Well, what is it doing? Well, it's, it's going to do whatever it was sent here to do in right. the first place. Like, yeah, it so seems if, like we don't have any. What if that's the story? Is like so. What is it that it's sent here to do that people just have to deal with? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like the way we step on an anthill. Right. Uh -huh. And that boot just happens. And then the ants continue scurrying, doing their so thing. So is uh, is the planet Earth uh, just an anthill? Is it are we some kind of a pet almost like a like a just something to observe? Something along that. What if it's like that boot print? What if the arriving consciousness is simply setting up the next step, the next chain in some big That's exploration? It, yeah. Like observing is just that can't that's not the goal right yeah. so like they can observe but what's what's that end goal right that's my mm -hmm. question so let's say for the sake of argument until we come up with something better that this uh traveling artificial intelligence hive mind with millions of parts that arrives on earth begins to build something mm -hmm. and the fact that there was life on earth is incidental right that earth just happened to be in the right place for this to be the step, the boot coming down, mm -hmm. right? And it's going to be on its way somewhere else, whatever the next part is, that just as an ant doesn't really understand why the boot fell, neither do we get to understand are we going to here. Are we going to assume that all life in the universe follows the same patterns that life as we know it does? So life as we know it is, in, you know, is obsessed with reproduction, and right. spreading itself. Yeah. So would we, if this is an alien uh, species of some sort, are we under the assumption that okay, we behave so by that same... Whenever I'm up against these kinds of questions, like how alien to make the alien, I'm always reminded of the Frank Herbert, uh, Bill Ransom conversation, which basically paraphrased like this. Um, aliens and robots don't read books. Mm -hmm. People read books. Exactly. So you must put in something that someone relatable. can understand. Yeah. yeah. So this would be the pivot away from what's probable, which is like if it's yeah. really alien, we wouldn't understand it at all. Right. But if you created a context that what if the procreant urge is its only goal? So if we, if we, um, if we place our own interests onto you know, whatever alien species we're looking at here, what's the first thing we're going to do when we land on another planet? find food colonize yes yeah, we're gonna terraform yeah. it right yeah. we're gonna make it like ours yeah i've got i've got like an idea the saint famille that huge church in barcelona that the guy who started it like the original architect oh, who started yeah. it he knew when he started it he was not going to be around to see 
it finished. It's, it's still like 70 years off from being finished, this place or something. Like Have it's, they been working on it? They've been working on it for like over 100 years. Well, Notre Dame took 200 years to complete also. Huh. Right? Yeah, like, the like it's been generations of builders have been building this wow. thing, right? And so a lot of them knew when they started, they're not going to see the end yeah. result. Um, and same with, yeah, Notre Dame. Like it took a very long time to build. The guys who started it probably weren't around when it finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of this like artificial intelligence starting to build something that's going to take thousands of years to complete and is for a purpose that no human is going to be around to see Right, so the it's end just result. its immediate effects that they have to deal with. So what are those effects? The effects would be, like, is it building a huge monolithic structure? It has to draw those resources from other places? It's kind of like a... It's kind of tying to arrival a bit, but some kind of, like, impeding cosmic disaster they build something to like protect the earth from that's going to happen in you know a couple millennia yeah like but what if okay so i like that idea yeah, if, so right, if so, they're trying to preserve yeah what if yeah. their life? idea was um we know of this horrible thing that's coming mm-hmm. right and we don't have to name it and maybe nobody names it they just yeah. you know they assert that this terrible end to the earth is coming and they have to build this thing that will save it mm-hmm. and their but perception it, of time is so different than ours yeah. mm-hmm. Living worlds must be preserved. They're mm-hmm. rare. They're precious. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's this film of life on the earth mm-hmm. is actually, you know, worth saving. Yeah. We're just not, we don't care. From if it, our perspective, we see this thing come in and start building. We yeah. immediately assume the worst. Yeah, like it turns all of Australia into a building platform, like clears it off and then starts building or something starts on Or starts draining Australia. one of the oceans kind yeah. of thing. I have an idea. For the sake of our, um, because we need water so much, humans, what if they build their physical structures by converting water into it? Just something really alien and really weird, but it would have a great visual. It's like a perma ice? Yeah, kind of Permanent ice that will not melt or crack. So they build the structures out of um, water molecules for some reason. Yeah. Picrete, yeah. Yeah. Which is ice and straw and paper kind of all mixed into a slurry. And when you freeze it, it is like, you know, a hundred times stronger than just an ice block like that. Because of the straw and the fibers, it's like bulletproof and way more durable. And Canadian, was it the Canadian military experimented with building like aircraft carriers with this? Like an iceberg aircraft carrier. Wouldn't it have to stay frozen that was part of the problem but like yeah, in okay. you know between canada russia like <laughs> right. in those waters you could have this big floating block wow. of pipe. all right so then for the sake of our story <laughs> we have an alien consciousness right which may or may not have originated on earth mm-hmm. um or maybe is contacted as a result of something that the earthlings do Ooh, mm-hmm. what if what yeah. if what if it was created on earth and then downloaded something from outside of earth oh like it picked up a signal that we are not i like that idea that there is lots of alien signals out there we just are not at the point where we can access them it's Mm -hmm. like they just turned the whole of the earth into a radio telescope to see the black hole right to see the (laughs) supermassive black hole something like that like they picked up a signal okay so a major construction effort occurs somewhere mm-hmm. and people are being displaced. But who are our characters? Who is the That's inside, the problem. We've got right? a cool a premise, yeah. but we don't have any story yet. And a good story, a good science fiction story always uh, has a nice premise. But you should be able to strip the premise away and still care about who the people are and what's going on, right? It's why, whether you like Star Trek or not, why it endures is that without the ship and without the replicators and without mm-hmm. everything else, it's still this human drama that you could say, yeah. oh, I relate well, to that. so it's a matter of global security. So you're going to have to bring together a team of the, you know, brightest 
people in the world from the global community, of course you're going to have your archetypal uh, military right. influence. But I think he's deflated right off the get-go because we start with them like work. trying to nuke and blow and it maybe, up and, and maybe it the, didn't do a thing. And maybe the more like liberal-minded scientists will just like get their jabs in throughout the... <laughs> <laughs> well, we tried that. Yeah, well, we tried, we tried that, that and yeah. had that work out. Because <laughs> that's, yeah, I Only like the idea that that's all done. They've tried right. everything. They've just like, it's the military is is no longer something that. See, and I immediately mission. see this story now because it the, the setup is so global as needing to have multi points of view. So you need like a family that is just like uh, a regular workaday family that now lives in a world where this enormous space-sized mon- like moon-sized mm-hmm. monolith is being built as a cyst on this uh, on australia <laughs> right? right so so maybe to try to to try to round up our cast of characters why don't we uh sort of approach it from that from a sort of more tried and true approach you know if you were going to send a spacecraft out into space uh and you need to fit you know, 10 people on there who are going to be the representatives of Earth for right. whatever yeah. alien. Who would it be? Yeah, who would it be? I've got a cool superstructure idea. Okay. Maybe the disaster is the moon is floating away, and so they build a tether to the moon <laughs> on a track that rotates around the Earth. Oh, wow. Oh, it's like flat Earth. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But what I like about it is it's so crazy. It's, but it's the kind of way it, oh, a human almost would try to solve that problem. It's right? like a because then we can have like space elevator and the what is it the the floating ring around the Earth, which is a totally doable thing. We just haven't done it. But having a geo geocentric orbit, geocentric on the moon. ring around oh. the Earth is something that we could build in this day and age. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, speculation in, in the scientific community that. The presence of the moon, which then creates the tides, was a, a catalyst for the development of life on Earth, mm-hmm. right? That you need water, and you need that water to be slushing onto land and then leaving <laughs> it in order for the microorganism in the water to need to evolve yeah. on land, okay. right? So I like the notion, the long-term notion that if the moon was going to be gone, but you wanted Earth to still have this incubating function, you'd need to build something else, Right. Maybe that's all they're doing. Maybe that's maybe the whole thing starts with like the moon is destroyed and the world is in chaos and everyone assumes that the alien arrival destroyed the moon. But the alien arrival is actually has arrived in the macro organism of the Earth's greatest need. Right. (laughs) And what it's going to build is another is going to be a build another moon, essentially, that could (laughs) rotate. Right. But out of the material of the Earth itself. Wouldn't it be easier though to just drag an asteroid <laughs> over? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I would say that was a logical assumption, Captain. Let's go back to the people. Okay. We people. need to we need to focus on our cast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea of a of a Carl Sagan type character. You know, someone who uh, who has a fundamental understanding of of you know, scientific achievement and sort of a big picture thing, but is also very communicable, very personable. I guess a Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of fits that bill these days. Yeah. And let's also have then as a counterpoint, a person who is like a mystic, like, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. they believe in the complete opposite of science, right? Like 
they are, uh, you know, they believe in the ancient aliens. They would believe in, uh, you know, Kirlian auras. They would believe in oh. all this kind of stuff. And you have both of them be right. I think okay. that would be the kind of story. So we're talking like Alex Jones versus uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but I think a perspective, right? Like you have, rather than just the scientist's perspective, you need a poet's perspective also. And you have that be right. Because they're representing the human condition. Not just science, but like the way in which people have to now deal with this thing that's so much bigger than them. You know, I, I think that... You need a kid in there. Sure. <laughs> I think right. that philosophy is, is at the leading edge of almost any kind of technological advancement. You know, it, it starts with ideas. These are concept creators, you know, and so... Just had an idea based on what you just said. Yeah. Just had an idea, and it connects to what you said, Justin, earlier. That it's just like people flapping their meat and making noises, right? <laughs> what if the alien consciousness has collected ten or fifteen people that it believes will help it understand? Like it's arrives on Earth, yeah. it's doing its work, and then it changes its sort like, of so scan. You... It's like, oh wait, this little scurrying things. They're actually really intelligent. Yeah. Maybe we should figure out what so they So, like, need. if you had an ant farm yeah. in your bedroom or, you know, wherever you yeah. get an ant farm. <laughs> uh, Under my pillow. But you needed to, but you needed to, uh, to clean the tank. Yeah. You know, how would you communicate to the ants that, hey, everything's no, going to be okay? We're not destroying your home. Yeah, I'm, just... not, I'm not trying to destroy your home. Oh. I'm trying to do something for the better. How yeah. would you communicate that to the ants? Well, right. the aliens, presumably, you capture or, them all and be, paint them multicolored, be, which is what they'd be in a similar situation. Yeah, we we value the life, this simple intelligence that right. exists here. We value that and we want to do something to preserve it. But how do we communicate that? To them? And would the alien distinguish human life as being more important than, say, the whales or the dolphins or the other arachnids? Like, if they saw these organisms all working, would they be doing the same thing mm. with, like, 10 whales and 10 humans and 10 birds? Like, what if it's a reverse Noah's Ark where it's, like, it's capturing a little of everyone and trying to get their perspective on what the needs of the planet really are before it decides what to do with it. I like the idea of a scene where it's like a bunch of we're in like some kind of spaceship or something and there's a bunch of bubbles and like there's humans in one, whales in another, there's deer over here, there's chimpanzees and this consciousness, this robotic thing is going around talking to everybody one by yeah. one and like <laughs> And the humans and are just like, no, over here. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, no, we're important. And no, the whales are singing the away. The dolphins said you're not that important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whales have assured us yeah. that uh, they used to have a planet-wide communication system with sound that you ruined with noisy boats. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's like a council of the planet, but humans didn't realize. That they were not. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like we're voted off the island kind of at the end of that story. I Everybody's think. pretty mad at you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It turns out we're going to save all the life on earth that deserves it and having spoken with everyone that's not you we're I'm gonna sorry. relocate you guys you're yeah. making a mess i heard some crazy stat that like 60 percent of the mammals on earth now are humans or animals that humans grow for food mm -hmm. mm. yeah right i think that's actually quite a lot higher i think right. it's like 90 percent. see that's mm. bananas to me yeah so it would be bananas i think to anyone who was objectively looking at like a sustainable ecosystem, yeah. they would come in and they'd immediately say, okay, well, humans are 
definitely not that's not helping yeah. but rather than like eradicate them which is the trope of so much science fiction what would they give us that could change it like what would be a thing you know like if we again you go back to trope the whole idea behind star trek is that once they invent the replicators they don't need war and they don't need to compete because mm -hmm. everyone has all the basic necessities of life so then now humans pursue other goals which are more lofty right mm. what is a thing that would get us to stop thinking in the quarterly report and start thinking in the macro right like where does this story go so mm -hmm. so we've got a great premise let's assume that the cast of characters can we can follow individual stories and then uh and then perhaps they just sort of become aware of one another via communication channels or whatever but like where does the story go yeah like is oh, the the climax of the movie the reveal like them being able to suss out what this okay so is? what if the 10 people that they take in order to have them really understand their point of view, it's not something that can be told, but only experienced. What if, as a uh, consciousness that doesn't look at time the same way, what if what they do is they take these 10 people and they grant them immortality? Oh boy. And then every chapter of the story is like another 100 years or 1,000 years no. of these people reflecting on the changes on the planet and what they've... Or during the conversation that it has with the intelligence, thousands of years are passing outside right. of wherever they're talking. Ooh, I like that. Like yeah. it brings in 10 random people because it doesn't really know or care that this guy's like the president and this guy's yeah, right. yeah. like a milkman. Yeah. It just grabs 10 people yeah. to kind of explain, here's what's going on. Yeah. Like we know it's going to be upsetting, but oh, a couple hundred years have passed and here's what we're doing. Yeah, and what if what that brings is like people who... And then it's just a room, Yeah, right? It's just them of... having a conversation in a room and 10 completely different people from 10 different walks of life. So what if you said awareness was their um, quantifier? Like humans that they believed were very aware of their surroundings, of themselves, mm. and their... Like that way there'd be no rank. It wouldn't be like, oh, you're important. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're a kid that is totally aware of your emotions and your... Uh, relationship with your parents that's an important perspective to have you're a person who trains daily uh in mind body spirit right some like guru martial artist this is a really important one you're mm -hmm. a teacher that can manage the outcomes of you know yeah what am i doing here right <laughs> and what they all have in common is this idea to actually really understand their place the human condition without yeah. needing to know their place in it like the ego is removed Right? Maybe what's, what they have in common is that their ego is not driving the bus. Right? Because when so, you're talking about those ants, we come back to those ants, right? Their egos aren't driving the bus. So at the end of the day, is this story sort of intended to highlight the value of, of the everyday person? Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's, that's what we're discovering. Yeah. That's not what I intended. I like the, the idea beginning. of turning it into kind of like a bottle movie. Yeah. Like you love everything to be in a I tiny do. box. Yeah. I do. So it's yeah. them, 10 people, having this conversation with a super intelligence that's brought it into, like, brought these people into its time frame so it can actually communicate. Whereas, like, the rest of the world, we don't meet any real characters in the world. We're seeing it through, like, a time lapse. Of oh. all this stuff happening. And the people believe that they're being shown what will happen, but not it's in realizing real, that it's, it's happening in real time, in real time around yeah. them. Right? Like they're discussing the rise and falls of civilization and, the, and their place as a 
as a macro organism while we're watching, literally watching. Like the erosion of mountains and yeah. the building of whatever right. else is happening. And it feels like a weird fluxing alien landscape, but it's actually the surface of the earth in this macro time that the consciousness we can show it. the waves eating away at like yeah. a hillside just like you're you like the waves so yeah the carbon units know why the creator has not responded disclose the information i need some explosions here guys need explosions? i need some explosions <laughs> okay. i need some drama I I need some. No, I so here's do... the drama here's the drama or here's some drama potential drama what if the consciousness itself isn't always in agreement Right? And what if what it does is it picks up differing points of view and differing awarenesses so that it can have internal conflict? That it's so balanced that the only way it can have internal conflict is to download your distrust of it and then act upon that distrust, like give, give some voice to it. Just to see how you deal with it. Right. Like it's feeding off of these 10 people yeah. to get kind of the human experience. Right. Huh? And so the, the, the war, like maybe in this, in this timeline, we can slow it down and watch these incredible conflicts. You know, you could have your giant robots fighting, you know, weird mutant monsters. And you don't realize that what it's not an alien world they're showing you. It's a period of time on the planet where they've experimented with your concept and put this conflict together. Like, so one of the characters puts forward an idea and then we get to watch that idea yeah, being employed. Yeah, what if they're like, you know... Oh, that didn't work. Because people always say it's the, you know, it's, it's, in, it's human nature to want to destroy itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we see some alien vista where the alien creatures seem to be bent on their own destruction. But what it was, was that seed of an idea taken over 10,000 years of evolution and or the, shown to them. the Star Trek idea. Let's give them replicators and see if that wipes out war. No, it just made it way worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, they don't realize they're sitting in judgment of the entire, like, biosphere of the Earth. So, ultimately, the conflict of this story will be human conflict. Yeah. Writ large across the planet without their knowledge. And mm -hmm. I, I like the idea that at the end, what if at the end they can they're offered a choice to go back to the beginning and live out their normal human lifespan from the point of contact mm. or live out from the point where the thing leaves. I kind of like the idea that they're just, they're stranded at the end in the far, far future. There's no way to go back. Right. It's just... Because you're a jerk like that. Those poor people. <laughs> what movie was that? The, the pilot? The <gasps> navigator. But wait... I love your idea suddenly. I hated it for a second, but then I fully embraced it. <laughs> it's, Those... it's like the cop-out happy ending, right? It's like we showed you all these horrible things, but now let's undo it all. It was all a dream. Right. This is the, uh, the implicit uh, kind of framework you could set up. You know, there's all these notions of ancient civilizations that predated the ancient civilizations we know and the ancient astronauts, which I alluded to before, like all this kind of stuff. What if those are just every time this thing comes around and a few million years go by it drops off the people that they had decide the last fate of the planet and they reseed right the the they get to try it again having been shown then it creates that loop of wisdom it's like well you saw all your ideas and how they would have worked mm -hmm. now you have objective opinion on whether or not it would work now go create a civilization Oh, right. 
Like we took you from the last one, which wasn't working. We let you play out all your fantasies about how it could work. Having played them out over millions of years, now you can start again. And so much time has passed that the earth is now in you know, like a regenerated oh. biosphere, <laughs> right? It's healed from the last misuse. You can try it again. Hmm. Huh. Huh. But is there a love interest? <laughs> right? Of course, there has right? to be. Where is the second act betrayal? And uh, who has come with the wisdom they didn't know they possessed? This is the Hollywood producer speaking now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we always have those things. You have and what to. do we call this story? Ant Farm. Ant Farm. Ant Farm. Because, like, when we were talking about the, the characters giving their suggestions, whatever, I was thinking, like, if you could talk to your ants in your little ant farm, right. and you took three of them, and you started asking for suggestions, what would you guys like? Mm -hmm. Probably what they think would be best is not going to turn out so well. For everybody. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And is there a time in history, coming back around it, where the whales got their way? Like at a certain point, they got dropped off on a water world. Make it sixty percent water. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. What if it was eighty percent water? I think yeah. things would go a lot better for us. We witnessed a birth, possibly a next step in our evolution. I wonder. Well, it's been a long time since I delivered a baby, and I hope we got this one off to a good start. So, if you opened it with um, your initial vision of like all these different animals being pulled away. The suggestion to the careful reader would be that maybe all of those people got their versions or all of those creatures got their best version and a chance to have it at some point in this timeline, right? If we divorce the notion of like time as a thing that has to happen in order, but that this consciousness that builds this thing is like a second chance machine. I don't know. I feel like they played with an idea like that in the matrix in the idea where when the machines first created uh the simulation they played around with the idea that they were going to give a utopia yeah, you know the ideal the ideal world, yeah. world it was a disaster and it was a disaster total because, crops were because lost. humans are <laughs> wired for conflict you're a virus um yeah, and you know what? I think that I think that all life as we know it is wired for that same conflict. We are constantly trying to improve and constantly trying to form the environment around us to our own needs. Right. Um, and that's and that's I think that's just a quality of life as we know it. So Do you think that's a quality of intelligence? Do you think that that's a byproduct of intelligence? As is we it know it. Yeah, that's why I always yeah. add as we yeah. know it, because who knows what's out there? And it doesn't necessarily need to be like us. That's the title. As we know it. As we know it. Yeah. Right? Because that's the thrust of our story is like from people's point of view, mm -hmm. as they know it, they're exploring all we're the gonna, different possibilities. We're going to create the drama. Right. It's almost as though the alien you know, visit is uh, it's just a catalyst for that conflict. It's like Without. a uh, cosmic reality show. They just like set up on Earth. Let 10 people decide the fate of the earth <laughs> and then stream it, right, on their, uh, on their mobile devices to everybody yeah, in the what universe. Yeah, what if the way that they, uh, they chose, um, you know, who the ambassadors of Earth were going to be was just by the number of Twitter followers they had? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. No. People no. are listening to these people. Yeah. They're, was... Clearly, they're the important ones in the, 
in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah, and it'd be interesting to explore the themes of uh, cause and effect, like, you know, coming back to this idea of the people who have awareness, right, maybe are having more effect, like operating without ego are having a greater effect on the world that they don't know as people who are doing it for the sake of being the boss, being the famous person, you know, mm -hmm. doing it fully for the ego. Hmm. It's totally got to be a character too who starts off as like super like uncomfortable and unsure and just like sniveling and become like gets a god complex by the end and becomes oh. almost like a villain. Likes watching it happen. Yeah. Starts interjecting bad things just to watch them just happen. Just to watch. Yeah. Right. There's your conflict. Starts to try to like manipulate the super intelligence to. Right. Ooh. And what if the super intelligence is a bit of a shit disturber? Like, what if it is baiting people with this idea? Do you think it's, do you think it's going to be just neutral, or does it have like a personality? I think that if you gave curiosity unlimited power to the people it was curious about, it would seem malevolent, right? Malevolent because it That's wants to know. Yeah, it just, it wants, just to wants to know, right? Like, if I really wanted to know how you work, I could take you all apart, in <laughs> right, and then put you back together and. One time I'll do it and see if letting you feel that. Oh my God. What that does. And one time I'll do it if making you feel really good when it's happening. <laughs> Welcome right? to the dark imagination. Right? But like uh, unlimited curiosity or like curiosity with unlimited power could be terrifying. Right? And you could set that up a few different sure. ways. Right? Mm. Whoa. Yeah. Well, we've got a great premise. Yeah, we have a great premise. What did you call it? You had a great title also. What was uh, the title? Justin called it Ant Farm. Ant Farm, or you said... As We Know It. As We, we know, know It. Yeah. Thinking more like 2001-esque science fiction rather than like Michael Bay explosions. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Until Hollywood gets his hands on it. <laughs> yeah. We can have all the explosions at the beginning when... <laughs> The military. That's where all the trailers are going to come from. Yes. That's right. From all of the fight of humanity against yeah. the aliens. And then the last act, two acts are just like, like long pontifications yeah. on the nature. Hold of on to your human... seats, folks. Now here comes a bunch of philosophy. Wait, did. That's what the people want. I love death and robots. There's that episode about this little civilization in the freezer. That's right. Yeah. Are we doing something like that? Is that kind of along the same? Mm, kind of. Have less, you seen that one yet? Less misogyny in our version, I hope. But um, it's not that episode. No, but that whole collection is a little. It's good. It's very well done. But it's for a very specific audience. I feel. Um, well, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talked about how genre got made, and I brought on two unsuspecting guests to make up some genre. So hopefully, uh, we've stimulated some ideas for you, and you can go away and use them when you join the fight and make comments.